Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of um, Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. Um, I'm Burke. Hi, I'm Jen. And uh, we are here with some of the week's top sports, entertainment, and legal stories. Um, So we've got kind of a short episode for you today. I think just three sort of, well, two big topics and then our three-minute warning. Um, So I guess to start off, do we want to uh, discuss an incident with Sacramento mayor and former Phoenix Sun star Kevin Johnson taking a pie to the face? (laughs) So, um, yeah, so he, this is a story, uh, I think... I don't know that if uh, he just got the pie to the face, it would necessarily be as big of a story as it is. But uh, Kevin Johnson, who was a former point guard for the Phoenix Suns and a former star at uh, the University of California, Berkeley, the Cal basketball program. Which is just minutes from where we're currently located. (laughs) That's right. Um, He was at a fundraiser of sorts on, I can't remember which night it was, but a protester came, um, I guess, from behind and smashed a coconut cream pie in his face. And, like, afterwards, Kevin Johnson decided to turn around and pummel the man in the face. The witnesses have said that he probably hit uh, Sean Thompson, I think is his name, uh, at least 12 times. People have various stories as to how many times he actually connected with Sean Thompson's face. But he, you know, got some shots in. And the mug shots of Sean Thompson show that he has, like, severe bruising around one of his eyes. And I think he got, like, nine stitches, too, from... From the beating that he got from Kevin Johnson after this. He does have a pretty significant cut under his eye in his mugshot. Um, and apparently he they're try, his lawyers are trying to get him released on his own recognizance, even though he, I, I believe, has stated that he is a homeless um, advocate, maybe homeless himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that he attacked Mayor Johnson was because he doesn't think that he's paying enough attention to um, the plight of the homeless people in Sacramento. Um, so I'm not sure what his own recognizance would uh, consist of. Yeah, well, and his bail was set, like, at $100,000. I mean, I guess it's pretty bad to, like, attack the top executive of a large city. Yeah, I mean, you're attacking a public official, but it's, yeah. I mean, it is serious. If he'd done that to a cop, he probably would have gotten shot to death, <laughs> so I guess it's a step in the right direction. Not to make light of recent police killings, so sorry, that was probably an inappropriate joke. Anyway, <laughs> um... But he, uh, yes, his bail is set at $100,000. His lawyer said that seems pretty excessive for some whipped cream to the face. Um, I don't know. It's coconut cream. There are, like, probably some coconut shards in there that could have potentially done some damage. He could have, I mean, he could have legitimately scratched his cornea or something. Or inhaled, like, chunks of coconut. We don't know. Would have been really, really bad. Um, So I'm just looking at – Deadspin did some pretty um, uh, extensive coverage of Mr. Thompson's arraignment, um, and it sounds like uh, things were pretty locked down in the courtroom. You need special access to, like, videotape things in the Sacramento courthouse. Um, But long story short, sounds like he's still in jail. A GoFundMe page has been started to um, try and raise money for his bail so he can be um, out pending, I guess, resolution of this incident. Uh Um, It does not sound like Kevin Johnson is being charged with his um, sort of responsive assault on Mr. Thompson. Yeah. Um, So... Do you think that um, he would be? Right. So this is kind of an interesting legal issue. Um, just because you are being the, the victim of an assault does not mean that you can then turn around and like excessively respond to that. There are rules and laws that apply when acting in self-defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, typically at least I'm not sure, I think this is right in California, but like there are some States where if you're in your own house and you're being attacked, like there's no obligation on you to leave. Mm-hmm. You can act with deadly force to protect yourself and your family. Um, in an incident like this, it sounds like Kevin Johnson got hit in the face with a pie, which is bad, but then beat the hell out of the guy, which seems um, like excessive, an excessive response, particularly when I think he was probably surrounded by security guards. and Well, if not security guards, by people. Right. And it looked like Thompson was on the ground at some point. So at some point he stopped posing a threat to Kevin Johnson. <laughs> Kevin Johnson just kept hitting him anyway. So um, the I think it was Kevin Johnson's spokesperson who kept emphasizing, well, he didn't start it. The other guy started it, and Kevin Johnson kind of finished things. So 
Oh, was that Crystal Straits, his chief of staff, who was at there? I yeah. believe so. Yeah, there was. I, I I think that is that name sounds very familiar. Basically saying like, well, he got hit first, so. Um, yes, I think the other comment that she made, if if we are talking about the yeah. same person <laughs> making these comments, was that you know uh, Kevin Johnson felt very vulnerable because he was attacked from behind, and that's why he reacted in the way that he did. And I think she might have also said that she didn't see him connect on that many punches. So I have to say they. <laughs> He said the damage was described as Kevin Johnson turning this guy into a bloody pulp. And then I saw the mugshot. I mean, it's not good, like giant black eye and a bunch of stitches, but he did not look that bad. So <laughs> Kevin Johnson, I think, maybe needs to work on his um, fighting skills, maybe is the big takeaway from all this. Well, he is not running um, for re-election or for another office, so he might have some time to... Is he termed out or is he just I think not he's, I think he's termed out because he's been a mayor for two terms in Sacramento. Um, and, yes, yeah, so Thompson basically said that uh, Kevin Johnson wasn't paying enough attention to homeless issues and he was just totally spending all of his time on the new Kings Arena and, you know, fund or basically fundraising for that and just glad handling for for all of the publicity surrounding the the new king's arena in downtown sacramento personally i'm affected every time i go to sacramento because i always get lost on those one-way streets in sacramento and our office our work office is very close to the new arena and i get turned around and it takes me like 15 extra minutes to get to our office to try to find a place to park um and i just want the best for boogie cousins um because it's the greatest nickname of any athlete currently playing and um i i just think his wacky attitude is fantastic i really wish you were playing for the celtics um but if that can't happen i hope he has a nice new arena so um it looks like it's going to be nice i mean it is right in the middle of downtown i don't know if you've been up there but I've only, I think I've only been to Sacramento like three times since I moved out here. So it's, and once it was so hot, I was just thinking about how to get enough water to like not die in downtown, not paying attention to the uh, so, arena. But. So Kevin Johnson, <laughs> um, aside from being, you know, a former basketball star and current mayor of Sacramento has had a lot of issues off the court and outside of public life that have been that has been like following him since his days in Phoenix. Yes, so there was oh, I want to say it was a few probably within the last 6 months there was a real sports on HBO story about um a number of allegations against Kevin Johnson um definitely in Phoenix and I don't know if this has continued on to Sacramento. Um he ran I think it was some kind of like after school program to help like disadvantaged kids. Um, and the allegation is that through this program, he kind of targeted um, a handful of young women um, and sexually assaulted them. Um, the details are a little bit sketchy and it's definitely become sort of a, you know, powerful, famous man um, versus a, you know, a disadvantaged young woman type of story. Um, but the, uh, the, the allegations are pretty disturbing because um, all of the the women at ish, uh, you know, in the case, um, I believe, were all under well underage at the time that these incidents happened, mm-hmm. and they do have um, Kevin Johnson on tape, kind of saying, "Well, you know, this was I know it was bad, but I didn't mean to do it or whatever." Um, but nothing ever happened to him, and he's gone on to live his merry life, being the mayor of Sacramento, and. Um, uh, whatever happens next. His wife is really, uh, she's a big figure in the educational reform movement. So Mm -hmm. I have to think that he, they will both be staying in public service, um, after his mayoral. Yeah. So the the girl, um, who was the victim in Phoenix that sort of created the, the sensation back in, you know, way back then was I think 15 at the time. And she, um, she met, Kevin Johnson through like a public, um, a PSA public, what's the service announcement. Thank you. Um, about probably like staying in school or something like that. But, um, he befriended the family and, uh, and then she was spending an inordinate amount of time, you know, at his house. And, um, there was, I think one or two incidents of, um, sexual assault and Charges were never pressed against him. Um, the Phoenix District Attorney's Office did not bring charges against him. And then in Sacramento, it was uh, charges 
where allegations were made by students of his charter school. So he has a charter school. I think it's like Hope Academy. Um, So students there uh, said that he had been uh, inappropriate in in how he touched them and their closeness and brought complaints to teachers who then turned around and, and, you know, complained and worked through the process of, um, you know, having things investigated and, and it never went anywhere at the school, but these are not, uh, it wasn't necessarily a one, a one-time thing. It seems to have followed him from Phoenix to Sacramento. Um, there was actually a pretty good, the woman who was the victim in Phoenix, she's now a woman cause it was, I want to say like 15 plus years ago. Right. I yeah. think she's in her early thirties now. Mm-hmm. She, she runs a website and she's written a few articles on what happened um, when she was 15, basically giving uh, victims voices and, um, and, and creating a forum for, for expressing yourself after being a victim of sexual assault. So, Right. So I think um, for there's some really great coverage of this story, both um, in the Sacramento Bee, which is the local newspaper up in Sacramento, and um, the Real Sports story, which was um, uh, went live in May of this year. Um, I believe there are clips still available. So if you want to look into it more, um, those are some resources for you. So that's Kevin Johnson, the pie in the face. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with with that. Uh, Oh, one last interesting fact. Um, The district attorney sought a protective order, I guess, on behalf of Kevin Johnson against Sean Thompson. Um, Thompson will still be allowed to attend city council meetings to um, speak, but he has to stay away from the mayor, um, at least while that protective order stays in effect. So um, we'll see how that impacts his ability to, um, I guess, uh, do his community advocacy. It doesn't seem like it would. I mean, he if he can still attend those meetings. If he can still like go to council meetings, yeah, I guess he'll be able to um, keep working through through the issues that he finds are important. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so moving on to our second story is the Derrick Rose civil trial in his um, sexual assault rape allegations. Yes, yeah. Is starting October 4th in Los Angeles, which is the first day of mandatory training camp for the NBA. And Derek Rose is now a uh, member of the New York Knicks. I think this is his first season. He had spent the rest of his career with the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the background on this story um, is that Derek Rose, um, there was a woman who he met back in 2011 and Um, Just for not to get too far ahead of ourselves in talking about the case, but um, the judge recently uh, made a decision that the alleged victim, the plaintiff in the civil suit, needs to use her real name. Um, um, So the judge recently decided um, or issued an order saying that the uh, plaintiff needed to use her real name. She'd been filing all of her papers using the pseudonym Jane Doe um, to protect her identity from, um, you know, being kind of publicly shamed and becoming a target of Derek Rose's fans and just generally people who um, think all women who say they've been raped are liars. Um, so, and that is very standard. Yeah. Not that people should be calling victims of rape liars, but that you don't have to use your real name when filing these papers. Um, so nonetheless, we on this podcast are going to continue to either refer to her as Jane Doe or the victim and not use her first or her actual name. Um, not because we have such a large listenership that it would cause a problem, but it seems respectful of her privacy and the process. Um, so Jane Doe and, uh, Derek Rose dated, I guess, kind of on and off from like 2011 until 2013. They broke up. Um, but in the summer of 2013, she reached out to Derek Rose to attend a party, um, goes to the party. She, I believe admit she has admitted she, um, drank a lot at the party. Um, her, one of her friends took her home from the party. Derek Rose wanted her to stay, wanted her to come back out to his place. She gets home. Um, at some point in the evening, she may have told him, well, if you want to see me, like you can come over to my place, but I'm not coming to see you. At which point he texted her and said he was bringing two of his friends with him. Um, They arrive at her apartment. Things, this is like very, very late in the evening, early in the morning. Um, The uh, plaintiff has no memory of, I I believe she has a memory of kind of texting back and forth with them and then kind of 
blacks out, does not yes. remember anything The only else thing she remembers on. is when she woke up the next morning. Right. And at some point, um, between the time she stopped texting with them and waking up the next morning, Derek Rose and two of his friends um, entered her apartment. She does not remember letting them in. Um, they've said they got to her place and couldn't rouse her um, to come and open the door, whether they broke into her apartment or she... Um, got up and let them in is completely, uh, is not a question that has been answered yet. Um, and the allegation is that all three men had sex with her, um, without her consent that evening. Um, and then she woke up the next morning, didn't realize what happened, had to ask her roommate kind of, well, do you remember me coming home? Was I with anybody? I will, I will tell you, maybe this is just my lack of research. I'm not sure why there, if the, if the victim or the plaintiff, um, chose not to press criminal charges or attempted to press charges and they didn't go anywhere. But this case that we're talking about right now is um, her civil suit against mm-hmm. Derek Rose and his two friends, um, Randall Hampton and Ryan Allen, um, for um, the uh, alleged gang rape. And she's looking for $21.5 million in damages. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I will say there, the website Think Progress in particular, um, Lindsay Gibbs has done some phenomenal work on this case. And we'll post links to um, that reporting on our blog after the show. Um, but uh, the sort of the depositions, Derek Rose's deposition has become public. Yes. And it is deeply disturbing. Um, he, they basically tried to get him to explain what he believed can, what his understanding of the word consent is. And his response was, well, I texted some of the effect of, I texted her that we were coming over. So she knew what that meant. Well, yeah. And then then the response to whether or not he informed the two friends that he was with, what they were going to do that evening at her house, his response was, no, but we men, you can assume. So I don't know if that means if, like, more than two guys are together, they go out somewhere, they're automatically going to have sex with people, or, because that's a, I mean, I don't know what sort of rarefied air he travels in, but that's really not what people should assume when you go out in the evening. No, and, um, you know, Derek Rose, uh... I'm sorry, I forgot about that that comment he made. Now my brain is momentarily <laughs> fried. Um, but yeah, he. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, they asked him questions about you know. Now normally, um, it's kind of a hard balance between looking at a person who's saying they're a victim of sexual assault, their sexual history, to get sort of relevant information um, that might shape your conclusions about what happened in this particular incident and also, you know, versus kind of victim blaming and slut shaming um, the victim, the alleged victim in this case. But one of the questions that came up um, were, was whether she had ever agreed to have group sex with him before. And part of the reason that they apparently broke up in the first place was that she, it was just not something that she was into and had no interest. Big surprise. No. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a pretty valid reason to break up with someone. Right. And again, not to, um, I'm not saying this as being judgmental or whatever, whatever is your thing. Like that's fine. As long as everybody is okay with what's happening. Mm-hmm. And she clearly, um, had explained to him in prior occasions right. that she was not okay. Okay, with what not was into it, and so her lawyers were kind of saying to Derek Rose, like, "Well, why would you have thought if she had consistently told you I'm not into this, like, no, I don't want to have sex with you and anybody else at the same time? Why did you think it was okay this time?" And he could not give a good answer. Um, and what I think part of the reason that question is was relevant here is because in a lot of the filings in this case, um, Derek Rose and his attorneys have painted this uh, the plaintiff out to be sexually adventurous and basically saying like she was a whore and she knew what she was getting into and she did it before so she would do it again except and now it's just a money grab exactly except um, all the things that allegedly happened to her on this this evening. Even if they had happened before, it doesn't make it okay this one time. But his story is, uh, I think, considerably more full of shit because the things that she allegedly consented to participating in on this occasion were things she had aggressively said, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to do. 
um, previously. Yeah, and just a tip: if you can't make, if you can't rouse someone, or if you can't wake them up, then really you should question whether or not their consent, mumbled or whatever, would be valid. <laughs> I think the um, there have been a lot of memes going around uh, recently trying to explain consent to dumb people who just don't want to understand what it means, and I feel like the great example I've seen is if I give you $5 today, it does not mean that tomorrow when I am asleep, you can come and steal $5 from me and it makes it all right. Cause I gave you $5 the day before. Like it's, it's just, I mean, it, it, it's gross. I mean, Derek Rose is an abominable human being, even if, well, I don't know. I, based on his own testimony, it certainly seems like he did something very, very wrong here. So this isn't just me judging him based on no facts. Um, but yeah, he's yeah, a, just reading his deposition. Piece of shit. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, this is a deeply disturbing case. Um, that has, it's kind of, it seems like it's not getting a ton of attention. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. Like, I find that it is very odd that you have a star of the NBA and no one is talking about this. Yes, there are articles in the Times and on Deadspin and on yeah. Think Progress, but it's not getting very much airtime on ESPN itself. And, like, we've talked about LeBron a lot this summer, so it's not like, okay, it's not the NBA season, so we're not talking right. about No, Kevin Durant was in the news every day for, like, a solid month. Now, all people care about is whether or not Colin Kaepernick is kneeling or sitting, but you have someone going on trial for rape. That's a huge star. And not just rape, gang rape. (laughs) Sorry. Not to belittle the victims of single-person rape, but, like, this is really, really bad. And, yeah, no one seems to care. It's just not not like a big deal. Um, Yeah, that he's one of the stars... it, the whole thing just defies any level of reason. But um, this week, the judge in the case um, ruled, as I mentioned earlier, that um, the plaintiff needed to use her real name in pleadings. Um, the rationale from the judge was that um, it didn't, excuse me, by allowing her to use a pseudonym, Jane Doe, um, there could be some, I guess, implied uh it could be seen as the court kind of taking her side. Like we think you're telling the truth. So we're going to let you um, not use your real name in these pleadings. I don't, I find that hard to believe. And I think it is pretty common, maybe more so in criminal cases. I was going to say like, this is a civil suit. So this is very different than a criminal case. Like she chose to do this. In a criminal case, you're the victim is not bringing the charges against the defendant, the state that's doing it. So, um, you're not necessarily, like, your name is not on the pleading. But here, like, she actively, affirmatively went and filed a lawsuit against Derek Rose. Granted, it was several years later past the incident, and she said that she um, was very hesitant in doing it because she was fearful of the fallout. You know, obviously, this is the fallout that I'm sure she was fearful of. But, um, I mean, I can sort of understand the court's position. I know victims, advocates would strongly disagree, Um but you know, it, if the court is trying to seem impartial here, then I then I guess are cameras going to be allowed, or is this going to be a closed courtroom? I or? haven't seen any news one way or the other. Um, the court did specifically say that they noted that the plaintiff's anonymity could significantly prejudice defendant Rose if this action were to progress to trial. Indeed, the jury may interpret the court's permission for plaintiff to conceal her identity as a comment on the harm defendants actually caused. The court will therefore reevaluate the balance of interest regarding plaintiff's anonymity at the final pretrial conference. And that was apparently in a ruling... Um, with respect to an earlier pretrial motion. Um, so the court, you know, rethought that now that we're further along in the process. Um, I don't know whether there were going to be cameras in the courtroom in this particular um, case. But what I did find really interesting, so that that decision comes out, and I, my reaction was kind of, was the, that I, I mean, I guess I sort of understand the due process concerns, but it also seems like this is a really famous person and having seen the way the internet treats women who dare to speak up about bad things that happened to them, I was deeply concerned for the victim and thought the judge was just being a kind of a narrow-minded jerk about the whole thing. Um, however, the judge later, um, actually it may have been in the same, I think it was in the same ruling, um, did 
yes, it was in the official order saying she had to use her real name, but also included warnings for Derek Rose and his legal team. Now, very typical of um, people who are defending against sexual assault and rape allegations, um, Derek Rose and his legal team have used very um, victim-blaming, slut-shaming language Mm -hmm. in their um, filings with the court. You know, they've posted things, shared, um, you know, her Instagram photos that they say are, you know, provocative to show that she agreed to have sex with three men while she was basically unconscious at 3 a.m. in the morning um, after they broke into her apartment. No judgment. Um, <laughs> None whatsoever. But the um, judge did note, um, I'm just going to read some of the um, kind of highlights of the judge's order um, where he threatened sanctions if they continue to use, you know, kind of hateful, harmful language about the victim in their pleadings. Um Defendant Rose's argument that plaintiff, quote, is not a minor who is a true victim of rape or assault is as unpersuasive as it is distasteful. Whether plaintiff is truly a victim of rape is for the jury to decide, not this court. Moreover, plaintiff's age has little to do with whether she was truly raped or whether she would be harmed by the harassment and publicity that is likely to result from increased public scrutiny. Um, The judge also said that Rose's team needed to stop implying that her sexual history had any bearing on what happened on the evening in question, um, specifically saying the court notes that it is extremely displeased by defendant Rose's renewed implication that evidence plaintiff was, quote, sexually adventurous with defendant Rose and drank alcohol with defendant Rose on the night in question in any way affects whether plaintiff consented to group sex with defendants Rose, Allen and Hampton later that night. The court previously made clear to Defendant Rose that such rhetoric is unworthy of this court. That the court now grants Defendant Rose's motion to preclude plaintiff's use of a pseudonym at trial is in no way an invitation to continue his attempts to prejudice the plaintiff in this way. Um, So, you know, in fairness to this judge, it does sound like he was trying to balance protecting the defendant's Mm -hmm. due process rights to kind of publicly face the accuser and not have inappropriate... um, uh, sort of conclusions drawn by allowing her to um, move forward using a pseudonym, but has also taken a very strong stance that the language and trying to blame her for what happened um, is inappropriate and should not be, um, they need to stop or they could be subject to sanctions. So, yeah, so there's going to be a lot more um, on this because, as we said, a civil trial starts October 4th. And uh, Phil Jackson was interviewed very recently about how Derek Rose is doing and whether or not he would be reporting to training camp uh, because he will be busy at his own civil trial for gang rape. Um, and Phil Jackson said, actually, something that I found really interesting. He said that, you know, he obviously has been in touch with Derek Rose uh, since this all, you know, came to light or they knew about the civil trial or the potential for the civil trial when they traded for him to the New York Knicks. But he said that, um, and I don't want to misquote Phil Jackson, but something to the effect of Derek Rose's, you know, he's not worried, he's sleeping well at night, and he's and he's prepared to go and, you know, defend himself. But even if you were the most innocent person in the world, you are not sleeping well at night facing the prospect of a trial. Yeah, there's I mean, something wrong with you yeah, if you absolutely. really are. Like, even if you were in what we do every day, like a workplace labor arbitration and you have to testify, there's no way that you're sleeping well the night before because you're going to get there and you're going to be asked a bunch of questions under oath and then you're going to be grilled about your answers under oath. So there's, it's not human to not think that this is significant or like cause anxiety or, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, it makes him sound like a sociopath. <laughs> Not that, not that I'm a psychologist and should be throwing around the term sociopath willy-nilly, but yeah, the fact that if he's really just real chill about this whole thing, particularly after his these transcripts of his depositions have come out, and it's deeply disturbing mm-hmm. the way that he views the world, and I, you know, maybe that the fact that people find his worldview deeply disturbing is not getting back to him, so he just thinks. He's living in a bubble where nobody criticizes Derek Rose. I mean, maybe that's how he's sleeping well at night. I don't know. I I actually just went through um, yesterday with one of our clients a um, 
affidavit process where you have to be sworn in, not court. We were sitting in a conference room. Everybody was really calm. And, you know, these people, and they hadn't done anything wrong mm-hmm. in my view, um, but they were still terrible. They were very nervous. And mm-hmm. cause that's a normal reaction yeah. to being questioned about things that you've done yes. and second guessed on your decisions. Mm-hmm. It's nerve wracking. Yes. And you, as you said, you were in a conference room. It wasn't a judge. It was, you know, and for, I mean, granted, I don't know that Derek Rose is sleeping perfectly soundly for a fact because yeah. it could have been just the way that Phil Jackson wanted to characterize, like, this isn't going to be a distraction for us or whatever sure. churches say about these things. But even from that point of view, it's, I mean, the gravity of the situation is, you know, it's very, it's, it's there. this is a very serious and significant situation. And I just felt like it was downplayed and, you know, and it shouldn't be. Um, and that actually, I know we didn't plan on talking about this, but, um, just to offer a quick update, um, on a case we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Evander Kane of the Buffalo Sabres, who has been the subject of multiple charges of, um, inappropriate contact with women, either just physical or um, sexual assault, has now filed a countersuit against the woman who accused him of um, sexual assault back uh, over Christmas. Um, You know, I I don't, I have not reviewed the details of this um, counterclaim and we can definitely take a look at it and talk about it more next week. But um, this is just a breaking development um, and he is still a member of the Buffalo Sabres. People are still acting like... Oh, he's just a famous athlete and gets targeted. Um, I would, I think, echo or reiterate the comments I made during the last time we talked about this, that this doesn't just happen to everyone. It seems to happen to certain people more often than others. So I don't think this is a problem that all athletes face, just athletes who put themselves in positions where either they are engaged in criminal behavior or um, uh, it could be interpreted that way. So I, I mean, I, I think that there are people who tend to target famous people or, you know, celebrities, athletes, what have you, um, for whatever reason. So I don't think that that fear is, um, unsupported, but, um, as Burke said, if you put, if you tend to put yourself in a situation where, um, you, you know, people can make allegations or you actually have, you know, engaged in this kind of behavior, it's not surprising that, um, there is probably like way more fire to the smoke than, than otherwise in other situations. And I think he's going to the next hearing and the more recent assault case that took place over the summer, um, is on Halloween. So, um, we, we should have an update for you in a few weeks. Uh, so those are the two and a half big stories we wanted to talk about before we got into our three minute warning. And for our three minute warning today, we have a special guest. We have Stephanie here who, I'm not going to say that you are necessarily a person who follows a lot of celeb gossip or anything, because I actually don't know that for a fact, but I know that you have taken a special interest in the whole, like, the end of Hiddleswift, uh, because you're a Tom Hiddleston fan, so... That's absolutely true, yes. (laughs) And we have not talked about, well, actually, we haven't talked about Hiddleswift, period, but we thought that we should at least acknowledge the end of Hiddleswift and, and what it could possibly mean for for both Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston. So um, they broke up, what, like a week ago or so? I believe so. It was Something before like the Emmys because mm-hmm. I, they were together when he got nominated for an Emmy and people were really excited that this could be the first like big public outing, even though they conducted their entire relationship in, in part public, of yeah. the cameras. Um, and, and then they broke up and there's a theory that this whole relationship is just one big like performance art piece and mm-hmm. a music video is going to come out um, reflecting their whole relationship. There's also a theory that um, Taylor Swift knew that Kim Kardashian was on the verge of releasing oh. the recording, which is something else we never talked about, but um on the verge of releasing the recording of her phone call with Kanye in which she appears to have okayed the lyrics in the song famous where he said he thought they might still have sex because he made her famous. Um, and so in an effort to distract from that, uh, she started this very high profile relationship with Mm -hmm. Tom Hiddleston. Um, it appears and Stephanie, you're probably a much better judge of this than either Jen or I, um, this did, absolutely nothing for Tom Hiddleston's career since, um, you know, certainly he, I think blew up in the public eye, but appears to have fallen out of the running completely to become the next James Bond. And um, I think it just, and it just reflected poorly on him. Yeah. I mean, he seemed like a he did. thinking person and 
now he's yeah. just running around with Taylor Swift. Like, I heard Ugh. Taylor t-shirts on. I was so embarrassed for him. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. I mean, his, and I'm not, you know, an obsessive fan by any means, but I do, you know, I have followed his career for quite some time. Um, you know, he's never been as public with any of his relationships. Like, they were... You know, on Tumblr, it was like, ooh, potential relationship, and everybody got all excited and lost their shit because maybe he has a girlfriend, but he never confirmed, you know, until the the relationship had already broken up most times that he was actually dating any of the people that he was seen with. So to have him, you know, show up on, you know, the shores of Rhode Island <laughs> with, you know, an I Heart TS and, you know, all this PDA, it was completely opposite. There were a lot of, like, has he been, you know, taken over by aliens <laughs> or did his publicist make a dumbass move and think that, you know, having him date uh, T-Swift was going to, you know, blow him up on the American acting scene. Like, I, I, there's a lot of there was a lot of disbelief that it was actually a legitimate relationship and, um, you know, kind of lots of theories about what it actually, what the purpose of it actually was. And the fact that he kept being really uncomfortable in interviews being like, we are authentically in love with each other. It's like, Tom, nobody <laughs> believes you. It's weird. <laughs> One of my favorite bloggers wrote a, um, kind of posted an interview and wrote, it looks like he's, someone is holding a gun on him <laughs> off stage and is saying, you will read this script about your relationship with Taylor Swift. I mean, it's so awkward. So does that mean that, um, he fell out of the running for the James Bond role because of his relationship with Taylor Swift or because he couldn't sell his relationship with Taylor Swift? I don't know that he was actually ever really in the running. Well, but I um, just, I mean, the fact that he can't actually act his way through this, you're like, <laughs> come on now. That's yeah. fair. That's not a that's period piece. career. You were paid to do, to act these, you know, emotions and things and you can't manage it. I mean, I definitely had heard that the, um, the James Bond kind of machine was looking for someone who was a little more dangerous, um, seeming a la Daniel Craig. Idris. Um, yes. Idris Elba for James and Bond. Idris Elba is absolutely my vote. Um, and Tom Hiddleston himself, and I don't remember which interview it was, had you know said that he didn't really think he was a great candidate for it and and um, wasn't you know necessarily thinking it was a, a slam dunk. And um, I don't know that he would necessarily deal well with kind of being a, a Bond person that seems pretty limiting from other serious actors who have fallen into the um, James Bond role. They've either had a difficult time with it and left in a cloud of disgrace or, you know, never really recovered um, their acting career after that. I think Lad Brooks is now saying one of Jen's favorites, James Norton, is um, <laughs> in the running to become. He doesn't look James dangerous Bond. either. Yeah, but have you seen well, him in Happy Valley? No, I actually I haven't. Dark and disturbing, and he. I mean, he was very good, but it was weird then seeing him on Grantchester as this charming and vicar. vicar. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? He wasn't a rapey murderer. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> not that he's all that charming on Grantchester. I mean, he's got some. Cut his whole own issues there but that's that's valid <laughs> um so yeah i don't know how he comes back from this and i know that she has dated several other you know movie stars jake gyllenhaal and uh calvin harris well is he a star of anything though yeah i don't get and it I also, i'm sure he oh is. yeah well i mean they're all on drugs I'm also not sure why, because I've listened to his song that she wrote and wrote anonymously and then claimed credit for to make him look bad. It's the same lyrics, literally just repeated performance. I mean, that's pretty much EDM. I guess. Then I, I, yeah, I don't really get EDM. So I, I I mean. I mean, I do enjoy it, but it's not for the lyrics. Like, it's fast music and it's good to run to. That's kind of the point. Yeah. So I don't know why she was so, like. Well, I mean, I guess she just wanted to make Calvin Harris look like an asshole, so that's yeah. why she yeah. well, decided I need to, to save herself. her song. Because they mm-hmm. were two, uh, was it that T. Hids was supposed to have broken up their grand Allegedly. Yeah. So yeah. they apparently, um, there's video of Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston dancing like very, like very, very white oh, people okay. awkwardly at the Met Ball this mm-hmm. year. Um, and then shortly thereafter, she broke up with Calvin Harris and um, took up with Tom Hiddleston. So um, perhaps they just hatched this plan for a great performance art piece at the Met Ball or 
Um, I feel like Taylor Swift may be a robot and doesn't have real feelings. And so she might have thought, like, oh, this is what I should be doing now. Yeah, I don't I know. know. She's a very savvy business person. I would not put it past her to, you know, have made a deliberate move to either cover up, as you had mentioned, you know, the, the Kanye phone call <laughs> incident or, or um, you know, to lay the basis for, you know. She doesn't really seem like the else. person who engages in a lot of, like, think art pieces but that's no. just my opinion. Uh, what, in your estimation, Stephanie, what could Tom Hilson do to rehabilitate himself? Um, that's an excellent question, and I, I, I don't really know. I mean, there are a lot of people who are fans of Taylor Swift, and you know, what do they call themselves Swifties. I don't know. Interest. Um, you know, so there. I think there's a significant portion of the population that is going to hardcore judge him for what they see as a stupid mistake, um, which, you know, unfortunate is unfortunate because I think he is a talented um, actor and, you know, to, to really make it big, you kind of have to break into America. He is filming for Ragnarok, um, I, I was, the next um, Thor. Yeah, I was going to say maybe the best thing for him is that his most famous, um, well-liked character of Loki is being reprised mm-hmm. in um, Ragnarok, which I think is scheduled to come out in 2018, 2017? Uh, end of 2017, I uh, believe. Directed by Taika Waititi, a um, New Zealand uh, uh, artist who um, every movie I've seen by him is fantastic, particularly um, What We Do in the Shadows. And I've heard that Hunt for the Wilder People is supposed to be amazing. I should be seeing it this week. <laughs> I can report back. Um, but yeah, it hopefully... The distance between the breakup with T Swift and uh, when Thor Ragnarok comes out. out. Yeah. He's also in Kong Skull yeah. Island. Mm-hmm. That's, um, yeah, I don't I love know. these disaster movies based on like old movies, but it's him and Brie Larson. I heard, I mean, it's, I saw a lot of the John photos Goodman. that they released. <laughs> yes. It looked like they were having a lot of fun, whether yeah. or not that you know, makes for a good movie is, is a different story. You've seen the trailer. Not, not super excited not about so it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be one of those, like, maybe I'll see it at a matinee or if someone wants to take me to the movies, like, sure, we can watch that. But um, yeah, I'm not sure that there's anything he can kind of do. Like I, probably the best thing to do would keep his head down, you know, go back to his previous persona, whether it's his actual personality mm-hmm. or not. Um, and you know, and just kind of ignore it, or you know, when when it does inevitably come up in the next round of um, you know Marvel publicity, you know, treat it as kind of a yeah, you know, everybody has brain farts sometimes. <laughs> like that would be my recommendation. Brain farts for you know, if you end up hearing this, um, you know, most of his fans, me being among them, you know, what we like about him is that he seems very considered and thoughtful and you know, like a, a very cool person who's not interested in, in kind of the big fame machine. And maybe he took a misstep and, and got caught up in something he, he thought would be a good idea and didn't really understand how it would play See, out. that's the one part of it that makes me think that it wasn't fake, is that he doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would do something like this in order to advance his career. But yeah. I don't know him from no. Adam, so he might just be a fame whore. I have no idea. But yeah, that's I mean, not it how never, he comes across. It, it ha- that's definitely not how he's come across in the past. And I had heard some kind of scuttlebutt on the uh, gossip um, arenas in Tumblr that you know he had his agent or his publicist or you know whoever is advising him on on these sorts of things may have said, "Hey, you know, Ragnarok's coming out. You want a big build up, like make a splash, and you know the way you can do it is." you know, let's, you know, go full publicity with your, you know, fling with T-Swift. And, Ugh. you know, and uh, that would make more sense to me that he felt so uncomfortable because, or seemed so uncomfortable in interviews because he hasn't ever acted that way before. That, you know, kind of fits the best, um, that's the best fitting theory uh-huh. for, for the out, or this turn of events that I've, I've really seen. But, I mean, he could just be a really great actor and have fooled everybody, including all his fans, with personal, you know, personal experience meeting him and such that, um, you know, he's, this is just showing his true colors. I doubt it, but, um, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate blip, um, I think, in his career. I mean, we'll see how he recovers. Well, maybe there's another John le Carré novel they can dig up and put him in. Um, So the other big big breakup this week, um, probably bigger than the Hiddle Swift breakup, is the end of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's marriage. Uh, she filed uh, for a divorce uh, sometime earlier this week, citing um, 
basically that she, I, I don't remember the exact words from her divorce petition, but it wasn't irreconcilable differences, which is what a lot of people tend to say when marriage is dissolved. But this was really about um, her family's welfare, and that has sparked a lot of um, gossip and people speculating as to why they ended their two-year marriage, and um, a lot of sources have been citing that essentially that Brad Pitt's marijuana usage and maybe the way that he was interacting with his children um, made Angelina Jolie feel like she needed to do something in order to protect her family. There might have been an incident on an airplane where Brad Pitt and one of the kids, I don't remember. I believe it is Maddox, the okay, oldest the of their guy. six children. And he's in his teens now. I mean, he's yeah, like he's 15, 15. or 16. Yeah. Um, got into a verbal altercation. Um, I don't know that it did get physical. They might have gotten in each other's faces, but I don't know that there has been any allegation that like Brad Pitt struck his child or his child struck Brad Pitt. Um, but that was being investigated, I think, by Child Protective Services. But now the FBI has stepped in because it took place on an airplane. Right. There's some there it, it, because the incident may have started on an airplane, um, which is arguably outside any um, particular state's jurisdiction. The FBI was called in um, to look into this incident. Last report I heard was, or I read about. Um, was that the FBI was investigating, but they hadn't decided whether, basically they wanted to get the facts where they decided to mm-hmm. do a full-blown investigation yeah. into this. Um, yeah, reports are that Brad Pitt has not been allowed to see his children since um, the divorce filing. Um, he is not speaking to Angelina Jolie at the moment. Um, and Angelina did, I think one of the other unusual things about the, um, maybe not unusual, but um, things about the divorce petition is that she's requesting sole custody of the kids, giving Mm -hmm. him just visitation as opposed to joint physical custody of the Mm -hmm. children, um, which gives some credence to the idea that something happened between Brad and one of the kids um, to make her believe that they shouldn't be physically with him um, without her around. So um, that, I guess, will play out however it plays out. It did seem um, the alleged incident on the plane took place on September 14th, she listed their date of separation as the next day, September 15th. Um, as Jen mentioned, there are allegations that his drinking and marijuana usage were contributing factors to the split. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss, because I find this comedian to be irritating on her best days, but in this incident, it was just particularly annoying to me. And uh, this is my podcast, so I'm going to rant if I want to. Um, so as, as many of you may be aware, uh, Brad Pitt was previously married to Jennifer Aniston um, and then broke up with Jennifer Aniston, got together with Angelina Jolie, whether there was overlap, um, not clear. Uh, she, I think, both both Brad and Angelina have said that they did not have a relationship um, until after he left Jennifer Aniston. But um, regardless, that was like... 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Aniston is now presumably happily married. Um, she has not made any public comments to my knowledge about this, but her um, best friend or one of her close friends, Chelsea Handler, um, who has a uh, Netflix, uh, basically it's like a talk show on Netflix, um, decided to use that forum to um, renew her attacks on Angelina Jolie by commenting um that, uh, and, and I quote, there are rumors that part of the problem was that Brad was allegedly drinking and smoking too much weed. I wonder why he would need to, sell, need to self-medicate. Maybe because he could have been spending the last 12 years at Lake Como hanging out with George Clooney and Matt Damon instead of being stuck in a house with 85 kids speaking 15 different languages. Oh yeah, because he married a fucking lunatic, that's why. So, I get it, Chelsea Handler's a funny person, and so being a mean asshole in the uh, spirit of being funny is her thing. Maybe it's just because the whole world seems really mean that I don't have the patience to deal with like mean comics anymore. I'm not sure. But what I find really irritating about this whole thing is she's allegedly one of Jennifer Aniston's best friends. Why is she not more pissed off about the man who broke her friend's heart as opposed to the woman who didn't owe Jennifer Aniston a goddamn thing? Um, Brad Pitt, to the extent anybody did anything wrong to Jennifer Aniston, and you can debate, um, you know, whether, uh, what he did, if he did anything wrong, but it just seems like Angelina Jolie is a convenient target for 
Chelsea Handler. And um, I do, she's said, you know, before, I don't like Angelina because she's not a girl's girl. And I feel like. What the fuck does that mean? Well, I, yeah, I feel like that's the phrase that like women who want to pretend like they support other women use to undercut women. Like she's not a girl's girl. No, like that's a shitty thing to say. She. Well, and frankly, Chelsea Handler's a vodka fuel disaster. Where does she get off judging anybody <laughs> about their qualifications to be a girl's God. girl? Yeah. I just, I it just annoyed me because I feel like, and I, it pains me to say this because she is my queen, but Beyonce kind of contributed to a similar incident with her um, lyrics about, you know, Becky, Becky with, with the, the good, good hair. hair. Why aren't people getting pissed off at Jay-Z as opposed to this anonymous person who, you know, Beyonce is complaining about? Like, Jay-Z is the real bad guy, mm-hmm. not whoever this lady is. Um, and, I mean, Beyonce didn't. And Jennifer, to be clear, Jennifer Aniston, I have no idea if she supports what Chelsea Handler was saying. Chelsea Handler seems like she will say whatever stupid thought comes into her mouth. So whatever. But it's just, I find that frustrating that the the person who, to the extent anybody did anything wrong, is really Brad Pitt. And he doesn't seem to be getting blamed for. Well, I mean, yet again, this. a white man is not getting blamed for his actions. So <laughs> just put that out there. Yeah. Um, so good luck and God bless to the Jolie Pitt children, who I think are really the ones who probably need the most help and good mm-hmm. thoughts here. Because um, regardless of what Brad Pitt did, uh, this is probably really hard and yeah, embarrassing exactly. to have this whole thing going uh, on in public. Yes. I mean, this is the dissolution of a marriage and the family is breaking up and these kids are not immune to, you know, the limelight, obviously, because they grew up in a lot yeah. of it as much as their parents tried to protect them. but. No one wants to see your family falling apart, like, on TMZ every single night. or no, like Especially as teenagers. I mean, that's yeah. so many other issues outside of, you know, the specific circumstances that they're yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's shitty, and it's shitty that, like, it's something that we talk about, and we talk about ad nauseum, and yeah. sometimes I feel really bad that we talk about these things, but at the same time, not that literally there are, like, four people listening to us, so on a good day, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so it's not like we're, you know, this is, we're setting the tone for social media discourse in the country or anything, but yeah, the fact that this is something that we feel that should be discussed or reported on, that's kind of messed up. Um, so to our four listeners, don't contribute to be worried about the, you know, black men being gunned down in the streets by police officers for no reason and not Brad and Angelina, I guess is they're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm sure they'll find their way through this. Brad has his vineyard in France. He can go drink as much wine and smoke all the weed he wants to forget his problems. Uh, Johnny Depp there. Oh, Johnny Depp. I don't know if we, oh, we did talk about Johnny and Amber. Um, their divorce has been settled now, and, and she withdrew her. Wait, settled as in the divorce is finalized? Yes. Or... Oh, okay. Yeah. So I clearly think... I pay so much attention yeah. to the <laughs> He agreed to give her like seven million dollars, but she was contributing all of that to a domestic abuse ch- abuse charity, I believe. So, um, so that all's well that ends well, I guess for them. Yeah. Um. The last thing, and I will turn the floor over to Burke, but um, and this is completely unrelated to anything we've talked about today, but I'm sure you want to spend a few minutes talking about Kevin Garnett, who retired this week. Yes. Um. So as I, I'm sure I've mentioned before, I am a Boston sports fan. So I grew up loving the Celtics. Um. And Kevin Garnett was a key uh, uh, player in our um, 2000. 2008 championship. It all blends together. It was when I first started working and I have really hazy memories of the late aughts. But anyway, um, I loved Kevin Garnett and his ratty beard and his deep intensity. Um, and I, I thank him for telling me that, um, anything is possible because that's definitely something that he by himself came up with. <laughs> so, um, congratulations, Kevin Garnett. I hope you have a wonderful post career life. Um, you seem kind of attitudinous, so I'm not sure um, TV is going to be where he ends up, but it'll be interesting to see what his next um, career move is. Um, so that's pretty much from us from Under Further Review. We will be back next time with, I'm sure, lots more celebrity and athlete legal issues to discuss. Thanks. Bye. Bye.